This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 123 of the On The Banks Podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Thanks so much for listening once again. And the first episode of 2022, lots to cover Wanted to do a full-scale review of 2021 for Rutgers Athletics with a look ahead to 2022. Was intending to do it last week, the last week of 2021. But of course, the unexpected trip to the Gator Bowl for Rutgers football occurred, and that took priority. Was uh, very happy to have Mike Teal, radio analyst and uh, arguably the best quarterback in program history, true Rutgers legend, uh, with us last week to preview the game. And football, you know, uh, as I've written about, uh, I think they proved a lot in terms of the value of having that opportunity, even though it was an impossible situation, they really did approach it in a way that uh, I think all Rutgers alumni can be proud. We're now in the midst of the winter season. Big Ten play is now resuming for both women's and men's basketball. We'll have plenty to come on that uh, on the podcast in the future. Uh, You could obviously read about recent events at onthebanks.com. But I did want to do a quick recap of 2021 before welcoming in our guests. It really was a historic uh, year for Rutgers Athletics. The first two Big Ten titles in Rutgers history, women's soccer winning the regular season, field hockey winning the Big Ten tournament. Four teams finished in the final eight nationally in their respective sports, men's lacrosse, field hockey, women's soccer, and rowing. Rowing had a seventh place finish at the NCAA Championships, best in program history. Several 30 plus year NCAA win droughts were snapped men's lacrosse, men's basketball, and field hockey. Women's lacrosse had their first ever NCAA tournament win. Wrestling made history with their uh, first time ever three All Americans at nationals. Gymnastics, a program we had uh, head coach uh, Ume Salim Beasley on a couple episodes ago. They have their season beginning this coming weekend. They had their best finish in Big Ten championship history last year in fifth. Uh, And they have some returners with Hannah Joyner, Bao Wang, really could make another step forward this season. Then you have football, obviously making the Gator Bowl, but also accomplishing the largest margin of victory in Big Ten uh, since joining the Big Ten Conference with that 38-3 triumph over Indiana. So many uh, kind of memorable moments to touch on. And uh, it didn't even get to men's soccer. Obviously, it did not make the NCAA tournament this year, but um, beating number 11 Indiana on the road, handing the Hoosiers just their third conference loss in six seasons. That's the thing about Rutgers. It wasn't just the programs that made that next leap with success, but it was the programs that are still building that might be behind some of these others, but are making notable steps along the way as they make progress. So lots to be excited about, lots to have celebrate uh, from this past year. And to do that, I'm going to welcome in now the voice of Rutgers Athletics for BTM Plus, Dom Savino. It's my pleasure to now welcome to the podcast, Dom Savino, play-by-play analyst and Rutgers graduate for Big Ten Plus. Dom, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, Aaron, of course. It's a pleasure. Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you too. You are the voice of Rutgers Athletics right now, and I uh, was really excited to have you on 
wanted to for a while and thought there was no more appropriate time than recapping what was a extremely memorable 2021 for Rutgers Athletics action-packed some sports playing twice two seasons uh, in one calendar year obviously uh, unique with COVID plenty to recap obviously you called many of the best moments of 2021 and just wanted to start off by asking you what your biggest takeaway was for Rutgers Athletics in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be the trajectory, right? And now the the success too, because you know we've known since Rutgers joined the Big Ten that it was once again on a, a steep upward swing, right? But you know, this year in particular, this past calendar year, 2021, you saw the fruits of that labor across the board. You know, programs like men's basketball and men's and women's lacrosse, all snapping NCAA tournament droughts. And more recently in the fall, you get the much-awaited Big Ten regular season and tournament titles in a span of like two weeks. And you almost get a second tournament title on the same day as the first one. So, you know, things have trended upward for quite a while now, but that success is, has sort of become apparent now. And you can see it across the board that, that programs are winning and competing and, and excelling in the Big Ten. And just in terms of your time, you know, you, you've been covering and, and calling Rutgers sports for many years now, both as a student, now working for BTM+. Plus. I guess you being, you know, there physically, seeing so many different programs take that leap in the last year, what has stood out to you, um, either with specific programs or specific coaches, or just the culture in general within the athletic department that's led to this rise? Yeah, I mean, the expectations have always been there, but you know, we see... I think we've seen the expectations rise up a little bit in terms of how they've gotten to this point. You know, you hear programs like I think back to women's lacrosse, Melissa Lehman, the new head coach now in her third year, she gets there. Team hasn't been at the NCAA tournament in two decades. And she says, I want to make this team a national tournament contender. 15 months later, they get to that point. And that's just sort of the microcosm of, of what things have been like. You go to, to Steve Peichel, right? Men's basketball and his introductory press conference in a program that hasn't been at the tournament in two and a half decades. And he says, I want to dance. And sure enough, a couple of years later, so Rutgers is doing and competing in the big dance. So uh, the expectations have, have heightened, but they've also been met. Um, and I think, uh, of course, it has to go back to being in the Big Ten Conference, right? You're in one of the best conferences in the country, and you're also harnessing now probably more than ever that New Jersey brand identity at Rutgers, right? Where Rutgers is New Jersey, New Jersey is Rutgers, and the top talent from the state is staying home. And touching on that point, no program better represents that point than Rutgers women's soccer coming off their second College Cup appearance in six years, first Big Ten regular season title in Rutgers athletics history, heavily uh, New Jersey-based uh, roster. Mike O'Neill, head coach, uh, the successes he's had, been the most consistent, most successful program at Rutgers. How, how impressive has their run been for you to see it up close? And specifically, what was different or special about this season in particular? Well, the offense. I mean, they could tic-tac-toe their way down the field in like five seconds, which was sort of a challenge initially as a broadcaster because they were unprecedentedly good this year offensively with Amira Ali and Frankie Taliaferri and Riley Tiernan and a, a whole cast of characters. They could take the ball away defensively and I could look down at my notes for a second and you could look up and the ball could be at the top of the other 18-yard box and you're saying, uh-oh, <laughs> <laughs> how'd that happen? Uh, I had that moment once or twice. But yeah, I mean, over the last decade, two decades, really, Rutgers women's soccer under Glenn Crooks and now under Mike O'Neill have been the, has been the most consistently elite program 
two college cups now in six years. And this year, the offense was as good as it's ever been. Historic uh, records for that program across the board uh, on the offensive side without sacrificing any of the defense. And you you go to the College Cup or the lead-up to the College Cup, the Elite Eight uh, and Sweet 16 matches, Rutgers gets to the College Cup, gets the soccer Final Four because of Megan McClelland in large part. I mean, she stops half of the penalty kick shots she faces against TCU in the Sweet 16 and uh, against Arkansas in the Elite Eight. So the offense was great. The defense was as good as it's always been. And it's a team of Jersey girls. And no program, like you said, Aaron, no program at Rutgers has harnessed the idea of New Jersey players staying home better than women's soccer. There are others that are, are very good at it, but for the duration of time that, that they've done it, nobody better. And something we'll touch on in, in a little bit, but I think what's most exciting about women's soccer is that there's a, a very uh, clear core nucleus of players returning. That is this, this program is set up to have uh, tremendous success year over year now under Coach O'Neill. Sticking with fall and talking about another team that's been built up from the ground up with Meredith Civico with field hockey, finally breaking through. I shouldn't say finally, but to see them break through in the way they did this year, I think for those that have followed the program for years and seen how far she's taken, it was really satisfying to see them take that next step and and be one of the most dominant teams in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And it is fair in some ways, finally you know, to, to get the big breakthrough that they knew they could have. And I remember talking to Meredith in August before the season started and her telling me something to the effect of this group is really special. Like they, they've got it. And that program had been waiting for a while and had been knocking on the door, the proverbial door for a while. Men's and women's across both of them had been knocking on the proverbial door for a while. And they all just sort of break through in one fell swoop. And I always sort of wondered if that would be how all of that went, right? Where it's just, you know, one team finds success and it's like five teams in the span of a couple of months, I'll do something humongous. But they in, in a year where Big Ten field hockey may have been the most successful sport in the conference, like you had five teams in the top six, I think I'm remembering it right. Five of the top six teams in the country were from the Big Ten at one point, or for most of the year at least. And Rutgers was able to win in that sort of dominant league. It sort of shows you how good they were uh, and a, a much deserved breakthrough for them. And they're one of the programs who, you know, they, you get the Big Ten tournament title, the first one in the university's history. They get to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament, getting to host. And they're a shootout away from going to the Final Four, too. So I think even they, you come back with them next year, wanting even more and, and with them hoping for even more, uh, trying to build off the success to the, the greatest level. Obviously the fall was extremely exciting um, and we'll get to football in a bit, but you know, having field hockey and women's soccer have all that success together at the same time, looking at this last spring with women's and men's lacrosse, both taking that next step, breaking through into the NCAA tournament, both getting opening round wins from your perspective, uh, working for BTM plus, I'm curious, you know, does having that multiple success in one season uh, with multiple teams help in terms of perception around the Big Ten in kind of your dealings and 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 view of how other fan bases or even people within the Big Ten look at Rutgers now? Without a doubt. Uh, and I hear the sort of change in perception more from outside Rutgers than I do from inside because, you know, you see something every day and it, you don't really realize the change, right, until you look back at it. But, you know, you talk to... I don't know. You talk to a, a coach in one sport in the Big Ten 
once a year or once every two years, right? Doing what I do if they if they come to Rutgers once every two years. And the way you know, I, I sort of noticed, and this is not any one instance, but just across the board, the change in the way that other coaches and other sports information directors and administrators around the conference talk about Rutgers. And it's due to the success that everybody knew was going to happen, but now it's happened, right? Just sort of the the reverence, right? And the respect, the increased respect that Rutgers has earned now because of all the winning and because of the uh, across the board success. That's been really cool to see too. And, and sort of dovetailing off that just a little bit, I've noticed this recently in particular with all the, the winning and success, coaches at Rutgers have done an outstanding job of brand synergy. I don't know if you've noticed this, Aaron. After every other press conference over the last like four months, a coach will talk about another sports success and just nail it, right? Like whether it's Greg Schiano coming up to the podium at a weekly press conference and saying congrats to women's soccer, winning the regular season title, Steve Peichel ending a press conference by talking about women's basketball or talking about a field hockey game coming up. You know, it, it helps again when everybody's winning, right? But they have nailed it. Just like every every sport talking about every other sport and sort of bumping each other up. That's been cool to see, too. I totally agree with you. And in talking to a lot of the different coaches here for the podcast, I, I think that there definitely seems to be a, a coordinated and understanding that if one program wins, it helps everybody. And I think, you know, that comes from the leadership of Pat Hobbs as, as the athletic director. But I also think, you know, having facilities now where all these programs are together, you know, they live together in the APC, you have wrestling, gymnastics, both basketballs at the Rodkin, you have soccer, you know, lacrosse, you have, you have these teams that are kind of cross crossing each other and, and seeing each other and rooting, you know, you had women's soccer and field hockey going to each other's games and yep. basketball. It's a, it really is great to see. And I think part of just the, the overall positive vibes that are going on within uh, Rutgers right now, touching on specific memorable performances for you from certain student athletes this past season. I know it's a, a loaded question and a lot of ground to cover, but are there any that pop to your head? Uh, may, maybe some obvious or even some unobvious uh, or less obvious ones that you'll remember back for, for this past season. Well, I, we talked about Megan McClelland. We gave her her due for, for sure. The women's soccer goalkeeper, a ton of saves standing on her head to, to get Rutgers to the college cup. I go back to the spring senior day for men's lacrosse. You've got an attack, a starting attack line last season, uh, Adam Sterling, Beatties, Connor Kirst and, and Kieran Mullins who have a combined like one gazillion points. <laughs> and I think they combined for like 18 points on senior day, Adam Sherlin Beatties, his final game in Piscataway, the dude who, who does not want to leave Rutgers and has battled through so much and started at Rutgers in the same year that I did, which was, was really great to see for me. It sort of made me feel younger gets this one last classic performance, has six goals. Uh, that was cool to see. They beat Hopkins, who is always always a good team. A less obvious one, and I'm talking about ones that I've covered because there's been so many good ones. Football, uh, Ron Harper Jr. a couple of weeks ago, of course. Softball in the spring. Haley Hawk with two beats. Easter Sunday, Rutgers is playing Nebraska, I believe it was. And they're up by one, bottom of the, the seventh inning. Little one, one on one out, little flare out to center field. And Haley Hakwatsubi, this fifth year center fielder who's this like outstanding defender, comes flying out, makes his diving grab. They turn a double play to win on Easter Sunday. And it's this, this jubilant moment on a holiday. Uh, that was cool to see. And there's, and there's so many others too. I mean, Gianna Glatz standing on her head a couple of times this year. You go back to the winter and Arella Garantes for Rutgers women's basketball. Of course, that stands out. 
Uh, lots of home runs for baseball, too. There's a ton of them, but that, that's just a few before we're here for another hour. No, I like them all. Uh, one, one that stands out to me is T.T. Uh, Nislonski and that NCAA tournament game, uh, really seizing the moment, four goals, three assists to lead the program to the first ever victory. Obviously huge that she's coming back for one more season. In terms of the revenue sports, let's start with football. Uh, obviously, um, unbelievable turn of events to get to the Gator Bowl. Initial thoughts on just how they, they represented themselves uh, this past weekend and also what it means for the brand of the program and uh, the outlook going into 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I'll couch this with the line that we heard Greg Schiano say a couple of times before the game, which is we're going to win. We're going there to win. You know, we're not coming here to, to get run over or just to, to get charity points. That being said, I don't know if you could have expected much more out of Rutgers Given the weak turnaround, given the opponents, you know, a top 20 team with one of the best offenses in the country uh, and the way they handled themselves in, at least on paper, what's probably the most prestigious bowl game Rutgers football has ever been to uh, in the Gator Bowl, one of the longest running. They battled like hell, an outstanding job. I mean, you go to halftime and you're saying, wow, like they could really do this. And of course, the second half, Wake Forest pulls away. Their offense was really, really good this year. I'm not surprised Rutgers took the opportunity because it was a great one to have a huge building experience and so many young players had some some great moments that I think you can hope to see more of next fall. Um, and they performed as as well as they're going to an out- outstanding effort given the circumstances. Totally agree. And I've been uh, I, I wrote uh, after the game uh, on Saturday. Uh, you know, I, I was not I, I thought it was an impossible situation for them to go into, but I I realize that there's a lot of value of them handling that situation with, with the, the, the grace that they did. And I think it, it, there's a lot of upside to it. And in terms of, like you mentioned, the young players, I mean, it's crazy to look at that secondary. At one point in the game, it was five guys that had barely played all year. And the fact yep. that they were able to represent pretty well. Uh, you know, there were many other games this year where there was moments where a huge breakdown and you didn't see that at all in this game. So I think it's a credit to the coaching staff as well for all the players, uh, their focus that they brought. Wanted to shift to men's basketball. Obviously, it's, a um, you know, an amazing historic season last year in the middle of another one this year. That's obviously started out um, somewhat disappointing. But as you mentioned before, the Purdue win. I uh, can't believe that was three and a half weeks ago. It feels about three and a half years ago at this point. Um, but um, I guess what, what did um, what did that run mean to you uh, last spring? And I guess what is this group of seniors, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., Caleb McConnell, how do you think they'll ultimately be remembered for their legacy with this program? Yeah, I mean, that that's... You go over the last several years, and that's probably one of the best moments, I think, for any Rutgers, anybody associated with Rutgers athletics, right? Anybody who's who's covered the team or, or worked with the team like I get to do, or uh, surely for fans, of course, getting the not only the three-decade, the 30-year NCAA tournament drought squash, but also getting that first win. Um, it felt a lot like the... Rutgers wrestling back-to-back national championship moment, just in terms of scale, like how huge that sort of moment was. And then for the men's team, you get a similar moment six months later with the Purdue win, right? Where everybody from coast to coast and internationally is talking about a win like that. Um, But, you know, you you look at this year now and look, the the season has not gone the way they wanted to. And Steve Peichel admits that, right? You've got non-conference losses that you're now trying to, to negate 
with some successes in conference. But as people will say for the remainder of the season, because it's absolutely true, Rutgers is in the Big Ten. And so they've got 17 games now where they can really fix their resume. They can they can get all the wins they need. The opportunity is right in front of them. So um, you've got veterans, too. Like the, That's one of the main things that I tried to touch on early in the season is you know, you have some non-conference losses. You didn't expect guys are in a slump to start the season, but good players don't just automatically stop becoming good all of a sudden, right? And so you've seen guys like Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy completely turn the corner and are carrying, in some instances, carrying the team. Like McConnell's become the best defender in the Big Ten, it feels like. Um, and so I think they've got all the opportunity, you know, despite all of the, the non-conference losses, with all of the teams that Rutgers will play now in conference action over the next two months, They've still got just as good an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament as they would any other year, frankly. So a couple more for you, Dom. Wanted to shift gears a little bit and, and look towards 2022. Uh, we're recording this on the first week of 2022. Um, we're obviously in the middle of winter season, spring season, not too far away. Um, what programs are you looking at that are best positioned to really uh, either continue success or make another jump up the level of success this coming year? Yeah, a lot. Um, and, and I'm not just saying that because I get to cover them. Um, you know, we, can st- we can start with the spring. Um, and we've talked a lot about the lacrosses. I-, I think there is a chance to sustain there for sure. Men's lacrosse loses a lot of players, but they have a lot of players back. A lot of guys who get to take a step up. Um, having Curse back in goal, of course, Colin Curse is, is a huge deal. Um, women's lacrosse, you mentioned some of the returners that they have. T.T. Uh, Naslonski, Cassidy Spillis lead. Uh, that's huge. But how about Rutgers baseball? Um, they've not made the Big Ten tournament yet. Last year, during because of the pandemic, there was no Big Ten tournament. Had there been a Big Ten tournament, Rutgers would have made it because it finished as one of the top eight teams in the conference. And so they have a ton of guys back, a whole bunch of players using extra years, guys who I thought could have gone to the MLB draft if they wanted to, especially in a normal 40 round year maybe they do but they decided not to a guy like chris brito is one of them um they have a ton of talent back uh freshmen like ryan lasco and evan slight who play in the outfield are both expected to take a step up they lost some pitching so they'll need to replace that and they, they have the talent to do so but from the teams we haven't talked about yet baseball is a team that i could see easily finishing in the top six of the conference this year just based on how good they are yeah, I think uh, that that's one of the best moments of 2021 was when they swept the eventual Big Ten champs, Nebraska. And they had those two. They, they won the series at Michigan as well. I mean, they had moments and they were projected to make the NCAA regionals for a time there. So I think right. uh, what uh, Owens has done in a very short time is impressive. So let's uh, let, let, let's talk about wrestling. Uh, obviously, three All-Americans last year. First time in program history. I think it's fair to say they have a chance to do even better this coming March. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think if you needed any other reason to to feel good about Rutgers wrestling, you, you go to the, the Mat Men Open, right? That This massive tournament gets bagged. The wrestling community is able to figure it out. Rutgers goes to it and is able to find two individual titles. And, and you see already with uh, Greg Bolsack and uh, Sebastian Rivera that Rutgers has several national contenders this year once again and i something i'm very curious to see too as a as somebody who's really who enjoys rutgers university as a whole is Keontae hamilton i mean what mm-hmm. can this guy do 
in, in a year where he makes his his college football debut, everybody seems you know high on his potential um, across the board. You know, in both sports, what can he do on a wrestling mat and sort of help Rutgers wrestling to try to to sustain the success that it's had? Right. You know, I talked about Ashnault and Siriano and how cool that moment was. The back-to-back national championships. Can Rutgers as a team finish better than it did that year? There, there's a lot of talent, I think, up and down the roster, especially at some of the heavyweight spots too. Rutgers in previous years has been knocked because it, its strength was sort of lower in the weights. But I think across the lineup this year, Rutgers is as good as it's ever been. So in terms of 2022, any other thoughts in terms of your hopes, uh, your expectations, or things to watch for uh, of other programs that potentially could emerge um, in a way they haven't in the past. Things to look forward to in 2022. I, I want this. This may sound like a company line, but I'll say the the increased payoff in terms of the success, right? Because the story for so long was, you know, Rutgers was all is almost there. They almost get there, right? Yeah, you know, they they finish as runners up in the Big Ten tournament or things like that. And then you get the breakthrough that you had this fall with field hockey and women's lacrosse. And I think it's just the start for the university and for the athletic department in terms of getting teams to win Big Ten titles at, at the rate that some of the other like powerhouse schools do. You know, teams like women's lacrosse and men's lacrosse in the spring will have the ability to to compete seriously. I mean, they're two teams that are, are both ranked top 20 uh, preseason teams like women's soccer and field hockey to to repeat. They're going to lose a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you, when you win at the rate that they've won in the last couple of years, you're able to recruit at a really high rate, whether it's nationally or internationally, if you're talking about uh, field hockey. And then I'll go back to, to football. I'm really excited about football season next year. And the, the Gator Bowl is just sort of that last jumping off point for, for all of it. I mean, at quarterback, who? Vedral or Wimsat? I think the competition during the summer is going to be really fun to follow. And even, even during spring ball and with the spring game, it's going to be really fun to, to pay attention to who's going to win that job. So many freshmen and young guys on that football team who can take a massive step up. Kyle Manungai, right, at running back with Isaiah Pacheco gone. Bo Melton goes to the draft. Can a guy like Isaiah Washington break out next year? You mentioned the, the secondary Desmond Igbenosin had some huge plays, just one of several guys defensively, but had some huge plays for Rutgers to really blow up some some Wake Forest drives. I mean, the strip the strip at one point coming off the edge, and of course his his brother is is uh, still uncommitted. But I'm really excited about that football season, and of course we get another year of Adam Corsak. So what's not to love about that? <laughs> uh, last one for you. I, I think I'd be remiss to not mention uh, 2021. Um, we lost two giants in Rutgers broadcasting history, your former colleague, Lou Brogno, and uh, Joe Boylan, a longtime uh, Rutgers radio uh, analyst. Just wanted to give you the last word in terms of, of their impact and your relationship with them and, and what they've meant uh, to, to Rutgers overall. Yeah, that sucked. Uh, that was a, it was a rough, rough couple of weeks back in the spring uh, of 2021. I can start with Lou because I got to work a lot with him and I learned a ton from him. For folks who follow some of the Olympic sports at Rutgers, um, there were several years there where Lou did play-by-play for everything, and I would, I was Robin to, to Batman. And I think we first worked together when I was 19 or 20. I was definitely a student. And he could not have been more gracious and kind and patient for a young broadcaster who still does, but even more then, struggles with talking too much. 
Um, <laughs> and especially as a color analyst, even on TV, when you're, you're you know, you don't want to talk that much. You don't want to talk over or jump on people. And I definitely was guilty of that. He was the sort of guy who was was always nonplussed, like was never phased by anything. I mean, working with a student like me, the Big Ten Plus broadcasts, most of the staff behind the scenes are students. So we have great full timers, uh, Colin Osborne and Mark D'Agostino, but the rest of the crew, students. And when you're a student, you make mistakes even more so than you do when you're a professional. And he was always so patient with the students, never got phased if things went wrong, just figured out how to, to bounce back from it. And I will, I will miss him. Yeah, I, I do miss him dearly because he was uh, somebody that you know I got to work with for the last couple of years of his career. But I know people in the Rutgers community and Central Jersey community have, have heard for four decades, right? He graduated from, from college in the late 70s, I believe. And he was on, on the air, basically straight out of the chute in central New Jersey. Um, and, and so that was, uh, it was tough to lose him. And Joe Boylan, I got to interact with Joe a bunch as a student, especially, you know, because at WRSU, the student radio station at Rutgers, you cover the games just like the professional radio station does, um, just like the, the Rutgers Sports Network does, just like the TV network does. And at WRSU, we get to travel for most every football and men's and women's basketball game. And so, you know, here is this from Joe Boylan's perspective, at least for me, here are these, these like snivelly little 20 year old kids who don't know what they're doing. Right. Who are just like sort of like a starry eyed, right. And, and bug eyed at, at being at Madison square garden and, and being um, in DC covering the, the big 10 tournament there. Um, and all these other massive arenas and you go up to him and you want to talk to this guy who's, who's coached everywhere and has done everything in college sports. And he could not have been more gracious with his time. Funny guy too. Um, always had a joke and was really good and, and wise on the air. Like, you know, I, like everybody else got to enjoy some of his work. I never got to work with him, but you get to hear his broadcasts, him and him and Jerry and was always so wise and had a story for everything. I guess that's what happens when you work in college athletics for your entire life. There's a story for every single solitary basketball moment and, and many without it. And so uh, two legends um, lost in the span of a couple of weeks and both dearly missed. Tom Savino, the voice of Rutgers Athletics for BTM Plus. It was a pleasure to have you. Really enjoyed talking to you about 2021. Lots to look forward to in 2022 and look forward to talking to you about that in the future. Yeah, of course. Thanks for the opportunity, Aaron. This has been fun. Thanks so much to Dom Savino for joining me to discuss all the success that Rutgers Athletics had in 2021. And I look forward towards 2022. The action starts pretty quickly. Rutgers men's basketball with a huge week ahead, hosting Michigan on Tuesday and Nebraska on Saturday. You win both those games and hope grows that this team can make a run towards the postseason yet again. Women's basketball just lost a heartbreaker at Purdue, lost by 18, or was down 18, tied the game, and then lost at the buzzer. Wrestling with their first Big Ten match this coming weekend. Gymnastics starting off as well. And then before you know it, in another month or so, spring season will start with both lacrosse teams, baseball and softball not too far behind, track and field, and, and on it goes. And if any, if 2021 was any indication, the future is surely bright for Rutgers Athletics in 2022. And for all your continued coverage of Rutgers Athletics, you can always find all of our content on onthebanks.com, OTB underscore SB Nation on Twitter. We're on Facebook as well. And we will continue to have weekly podcasts for you in this coming year. Plenty to celebrate in the future. 
and plenty to look forward to in this coming year here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.